Hey, Drew, I found a nice little life hack. Guess what it is? Uh, I wonder. I, I might have the same thing. You tell me. There you go. It's these neat little magic mind elixirs. It's this little uh, little all-natural drink to drink in the morning, a productivity drink, I think they call it. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's pretty cool stuff. It's It's got matcha in it, which yeah. uh, I've never been able to, like, afford matcha because it's a very high price mm-hmm. like green tea uh that's i don't know they pull it from the mountaintops or something yeah. <laughs> and it's and but it, it's like a concentrated version of matcha and it's like the best green tea flavor you'll ever taste absolutely but I, I i drink this with my coffee in the mornings and uh work days um my mornings are uber productive uh, I don't know, like, I'm, I'm not bouncing off the walls or anything. I just have, like, a little more energy, a little more clarity. You know, it's not – it it's it makes my my mind magic, I guess. <laughs> you know what I mean? See, for me, it solved a nice little problem. I have this unfortunate energy drink obsession. I drink uh-huh. one to get ready in the morning as I go, you know, the 140 milligrams of caffeine or whatever. But then midway through my eight-hour day, I talk myself into having a second one. And that's a little too much. It becomes kind of an expensive yeah. day. Uh, that's a lot of caffeine. And I'm still getting the crash from it. So I'm working on weaning my way off of that second energy drink, just having a little bit of caffeine in the morning. And these magic minds help me kind of finesse that way through, keep the sustained energy through the day and not have to do a whole nother yeah. Big giant energy drink the second yeah. half of the day. It's cut my <laughs> my pots of coffee from two to one, which is you know a healthy choice. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I, I'm burning through these, um, so I'm going to be using our code uh, to restock. And uh, you go to magicmind.co/slash/comicsfunprofit and use our code comicsfunprofit. You get 56% off the subscription for the next 10 days with this code. Um, you can use that same code, uh, Comics Fund Profit, for, to get 20% off, but you get 50% off if you do the subscription model um, in the next 10 days. So 56% off. They're really hooking you up. Yeah, more than half. More than half. I'm, I'm no math whiz, but that's pretty good. So, yeah, Absolutely. check out check out Magic Mind. We like it, um, and we think it's, make, it's, it's helping us make some healthy choices, which is, what, which is what we need to do. Absolutely. Aloha. It's Jason from Hawaii. Welcome to a special edition of the Comics for Fun and Profit podcast. In this episode, I will be interviewing a friend of the show, writer Stuart Moore. Stuart is here to promote his latest prose novel, Into the Dark Dimension. It's a Marvel Crisis Protocol novel from um, Aquanite Books. It comes out on April 18th in the U.S. and on June 22nd in the U.K., now, this is the third book in the series. He has written the first book, um, which was um, tar- um, titled Target Cree. And at the end of that book, he created the Shadow Avengers. And that led to the second book called, Sh- of course, Shadow Avengers. And that was written by Carrie Harris. Stuart, welcome back to the Comics for Fun and Profit podcast. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, no. And Stuart, thank you very much for coming back on. Um yeah, like I said, just thank you very much for coming back onto the show. I, I'm going to say this is for listeners. You know, I, um, this is pretty incredible because this is the um, Stuart has. This is the third time Stuart has been on in less than a year. Yeah, that, I guess that is right. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but like I said, th- 
thank you very much for coming back on. All right. So, Stuart, I'm just going to go over, um, you know, some of the some of the stuff that you've worked on in the past and also current works that you're doing right now. Now, mm -hmm. listeners, so Stuart is a book editor. He's also an award winning comics editor, and he's a founding editor of the DC Vertical Imprint. He has written the three volumes of the New York Times bestselling middle grade series, The Zodiac Legacy, and that was co and that was created and co-written uh, by Stan Lee. Stewart has also um, done the novelization for the X-Men, The Dark Phoenix Saga, and also um, the novelization of the Marvel Comics event, um, Civil War. He's currently working at um, Ahoy Comics and has um, written, uh, uh, I'm just going to name a couple of things um, that he's written for Mar uh, for Ahoy Comics. Um, Captain Ginger, he, uh, he also written The Wrong Earth Purple, one shot that he has um um, he's worked with on with um, artist Fred Harper, and he and Fred uh, just completed their latest series, Highball. Now that trade will be coming out on March 29th. Um, Stuart, is there anything else you want to add, or or please feel free to correct me? Uh, that's a that's all good. Yeah, I've uh, I mean I've uh, I've done various writing for DC and Marvel and uh, and for uh, franchises like Star Trek and the Transformers over the years too. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a good summary of my, of my most recent work. Yeah, no, thank you very much. Now, before we begin, I want to give a big shout out to Ashley Stevens and Joe Riley. Now they handled the sales, marketing and publicity for Aconite Books and Ashley Mahalo. Thank you in Hawaiian for sending me an advanced reading copy, actually of the first two chapters of Into the Dark Dimension. Um, Stuart, I'm going to ask, do you want to add anything to that? You know, with the, um... no, uh, the, the uh, Aconite guys have been great. And uh, yeah, Ashley and um, and uh, uh, Joe, I guess it is, are, um, are both um, both fairly new there. And they've really jumped in and helped a lot with this process. They've been they've been wonderful to work with. That's great. OK, now, Stuart, for new listeners and, you know, and new readers, where can they follow you on social media? Uh, OK, I'm uh, I'm on uh, Twitter at Stuart Moore one and Facebook also Stuart Moore one uh, Instagram is Stuart Moore. Oh, one just to make it confusing, I guess. Um, I have uh, a few other accounts, but, uh, but those are the main ones. I, I, uh, and I have a website, which is Stuart Moore writer. Um, dot com. Okay. All right. Now, um, you know, for listeners, you know, um, before I start jumping into, um, Stuart's, um, book Into the Dark Dimension, I just want to go over a little bit about the history of the Marvel Crisis Protocol line. Now, what I've gathered, now I'm not a tabletop um, game player, but my understanding is that um, this is based on the popular um, tabletop game, Marvel Crisis Protocol. Now, what I have read about this game um, from the Atomic Mass game article is that, you know, there's uh, miniature figures, there's cards that show the, you know, each character's abilities. And I, I think there's also something that they also have like theme tactic cards, crisis cards. Um, I know there's also, um, uh, I know there's like dices involved and stuff like that. I'm sure, do you want to add anything else or did I miss anything? No, not really. Uh, that's that's a pretty good summary. It's tabletop miniatures, which is a, a format um, uh, or a format for games that was popularized some years ago by uh, Warhammer. Um, and some of the same people are behind this game. Um, the, the, uh, the game itself is published by um, 
a big game company called Asmodee, which is a sister company to Aconite Books. So, um, okay. so we, we we have a we have a pretty tight working relationship, um, and um, I, I tend to I've been given enormous freedom in writing these books. Um, mm -hmm. The main thing they ask me to do is make sure there are a few big battles that can be played if people want to do that, if people want to go back to the game, which I'd want to do anyway. Oh. <laughs> um, but uh, but other than that, like it's, it, we, we try to use some of the characters who are either um, about to be released as figures or recently released, that sort of thing. But in general, they're just um, to me, they're just big, um, big, splashy, epic um, stories of the Marvel Universe. Yeah, OK. Um, how did you team up with um Aconite books? Uh, it went through Marvel. Um, I've written uh, Marvel novels for uh, for well for Marvel themselves when they were doing it and also for Titan. Um, and uh, they recommended me for this. This was a um, Aconite has several um, sort of sub lines of Marvel books like they have a they have a Professor Xavier's first class, I think it is, and uh, Tales of Asgard. Um, this one involves because this one's tied into the game. It, um, it 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 involves a lot of the big characters, and they wanted to use um, a lot of the big Marvel characters in it. And uh, Marvel kind of recommended me as someone with um, not only experience writing novels in this universe, but uh, but familiarity with a, with a lot of those characters. Um, mm -hmm. And so uh, so that's how it came together. They're very challenging books to write because um, they do have a lot of characters, and I need to make sure. It, uh, well, I'm not. I mean, to make sure I'm not cramming too much into a book, mm -hmm. but also that um, everyone, every character gets their gets their time, and that the um, the plot doesn't wind up getting lost in all the little bits. Um, so they're uh, they're tricky to write, but they're very very satisfying and fun. Oh yes, um, and I, um, I, I probably go into that a little bit later on. Um, mm -hmm. Let's see now. Um, before. Um, before, um, let's see, before we get into the dark dimension, may I ask you, can you bring listeners up to speed on the first two novels? Again, I know you wrote the first yeah. novel, Target Cree. At the end of that, you created the Shadow Avengers. And then Carrie Harris wrote the second book in the series, Shadow Avengers. Right. And uh, yeah, and, and I want to I want to stress, too, that uh all three of these books, you can pick up any one of them and read them. They are interconnected and they do add up to a larger saga, um, but they're designed to be fairly self-contained. Uh, Target Cree um, begins with a um, on a planet on the far outskirts of the uh, of the Cree galaxy of the Cree Empire, um, which is being destroyed, and the Guardians are trying to save it, and. Um, in the Guardians of the Galaxy, and in the process, they they manage to rescue a, a, a number of people, but they basically fail. Um, and in the process, they think Drax loses his life, Drax the Destroyer. Mm -hmm. So the rest of the book is them um, coming to Earth, where Tony Stark has hired some of the Kree in a sort of a pilot work program for immigrants, basically, mm -hmm. um, some of the refugees. But it's not going well. Like there's um there's something wrong. They're not being treated well. The working conditions aren't good. Um, and the guardians come to Earth, seeking the planet killer. Like they're trying to find um who killed this entire world, which they feel a measure of guilt for, and also who killed their friend. Um, and it's a the 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 plot unfolds from there. Um, mm -hmm. and it winds up with them. Uh, they immediately come into contact with Tony Stark. Uh, a lot of the a lot of the story involves the guardians sort of one way or another clashing with the Avengers. 
with Ms. Marvel in particular, um, caught in the middle. Um, and uh, we can talk about that a little later, but yes. the, um, a part of these books to me is um, the relationship between Ms. Marvel and Tony Stark, which I think is a very rich one, um, in which I've tried to sort of put through its paces a little bit. But anyway, um, at the, uh, yeah, at the end of this, um, the planet killer is found, but the secret mastermind behind it is still, um, still at large. Mm -hmm. And uh, Shadow Avengers, Carrie's book, um, which I helped, like, I, I, I sort of told Aconite where I was leaving it and what I'd like to come back and do in volume three. Mm -hmm. And um, Shadow Avengers is about that, uh, that entity, that force, um, trying to invade and conquer the earth. Mm -hmm. um, and then, uh, again, without spoiling too much, the new book, Into the Dark Dimension, opens up somewhat later um, when things have gone very, very, very wrong. <laughs> yes. And mm -hmm. for the entire multiverse, basically. And uh, and various groups of Earth's heroes have to try and uh, free it from uh, from this um, uh, brainwashed slavery that's um, sort of taken over the entire world. And um, already you already mentioned... you've. So I'm going. Let's just start getting a little bit into into the dark dimension. I I know, um, because I've read the first two chapters and as much as I can. I'm, I don't want to spoil it, but um, okay. <laughs> no, no, no. But um, um, but um, I'm going to ask because you already mentioned about the Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, we've already talked, and you know, um, the Avengers and the Shadow Avengers, of course. In the Shadow Avengers, that cast of characters had Spider Man. Doctor Strange, right. um, Venom, Loki, they played um, key roles. And of course, Ms. Marvel played in the key roles. Now, now, who are your cast of characters in uh, Into the Dark Dimension? Because we've I've seen the cover already. Yeah. I see um, Doc Ock on the cover. <laughs> who, you know, uh, without spoiling, who else do you have in there? Without without spoiling it, and and with well, I'm, I'm trying to remember all of them because there are a lot. Um, basically, what happens in the story is that... Uh, um dr strange who is the leader of the shadow avengers and um and tony stark iron man um both try to free the earth mm -hmm. um in their separate using their separate uh, methods and mm -hmm. uh and in dr strange's case it takes the shadow avengers off earth for quite a while seeking dr voodoo who uh, went missing uh, at the end of uh target creek mm -hmm. um but uh, Tony has a big master plan that's crazy and impossible. Um, and it's Ms. Marvel who finds herself really caught between the two of them because they're both sort of mentors to her a little bit, yes. though mm -hmm. she's very self-confident, doesn't really need a mentor. Um, but she also likes them both and wants to help them. But again, the entire, um, the entire population of Earth, with a very, very few exceptions, has been brainwashed at this point. Mm -hmm. And she doesn't know who to trust. Mm -hmm. um, so... She's really caught in the middle, and it's it, it, she's the one who has to sort of make the decisions about um, what to uh, who to help. Um, without spoiling too much, Tony tries to recruit various other. Um, Tony finds most of the Avengers not helpful or missing or unavailable. He tries to recruit various other characters, including um, Cloak and Dagger and Shang Chi. Um, mm -hmm. So that's a uh, so that's kind of fun, and it all comes together in a big um, two front battle at the end. Part of it. Uh, Part of it on a remote on remote Hydra Island, actually, and part of it, as the title indicates, in the dark dimension. Uh, so that's uh, that's how that's that's a very vague outline of it. But a lot of it, I mean, the heart of it again revolves around Ms. Marvel having to try to do the right thing to protect mm -hmm. her team, the Shadow mm -hmm. Avengers, 
but at the same time helped Tony Stark, who has been a mentor to her and brought her into the Avengers in the first place and who clearly needs her help. But she doesn't quite know who to trust always. Now, the, now um, I'm going to jump ahead and I'm going to go back to some of the questions for the book, but because I noticed that um, on Target in on the cover of Target Cree, Ms. Marvel is on clearly on the cover Shadow Avengers, you know, she's, you know, in the book. And like you said, you've written her in the first book, Target. So um, is there like it? And like you said, that Doctor Strange and Tony Stark are kind of like mentors to her. You know, is there like an overarching story arc for her in in all three books? Like a growth Um, for her or? Well, I I can only do so much with Ms. Marvel, obviously. Oh, no, I am. but yeah, um, there, what it comes down to to me is I really think the relationship between her and Tony is one of the richest things Marvel has going now because um, uh, he's um, he's an he's an older man with a lot of uh, not older man but he's um, he, he's older than her yes. and uh, he has a lot of money he has a lot mm-hmm. of family money he does not they come from very different backgrounds very different um, socioeconomic like situations and. Um, uh, she's, to me, a representative of a younger, more um, multicultural world um, who's uh, the, the, the people growing up in that world now, like her, mm-hmm. are going to have to live in a society that Tony and his father, like, literally built. Yeah. Um, oh, that's right, and yeah. there's, there's some natural tension there, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and what counterbalances that is that they really genuinely like each other. They have a um, they have a very strong affection and mutual respect. Mm-hmm. So on a, um, on a personal level, like basically the way I um, the way I see it, and this plays out in Target Cree in a different way with the with the Cree workers, um, but here it plays out in terms of um, having to having to repel the invader from Earth. Um, the only hope the world has is if people like that can work together, um, mm-hmm. can can get over whatever 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 stands in their way, whatever barriers are being thrown in their way, which don't come from them. It comes mm-hmm. from like society or from, um, or history, like, mm-hmm. but, uh, or, or, you know, <laughs> the dark dimension. Yeah. Um, but uh, if they can work together, then the earth has a chance. That's, that's kind of how I approach the books. Oh, okay. All right. Um, um, for, you know, for the characters that you wrote in, in, in these, in your two books, um, when you wrote these characters, um, you know, did did um, did you kind of like um, combine some of the movie and comic book elements or characteristics in the novels? And, and I'm and I'm gonna and basically like when I read the first chap first chapter of Into the Dark Dimension, um, like Star Lord, when I'm reading his scenes, I can hear chris pratt's voice and it's mm-hmm. great it's really it's great it's fun and also too i kind of love it when you start talking about the supreme intelligence and you describe <laughs> the supreme intelligence oh my god that is from the comic book it's not yeah. it's not a net benny you know so right right <laughs> um yeah I, I on a continuity level these are the comic book versions um like the their backgrounds and where they come from and what they've been through that these are strictly the comic book versions that said there really isn't a lot of difference sometimes between the two and um the movies in particular to me have so um so beautiful tv shows too but like the ms marvel show wasn't yet on the air when i when i wrote this um 
but the uh but the um the the movies so beautifully kind of distill down the characters and yes. uh and they're so they're so the casting is so great like on yes. them that um i admit i do rewatch the movies sometimes just to kind of get into voice with the characters because um because it just it just works that said there are some characters are very different um mm -hmm. Drax's origin is completely different, um, but his personality isn't that different, you know. And even in the comics, that like the uh, the character of Star Lord has shifted more toward the movie version a bit. So, um, so it, it's it, it's not that it's not a, on a again on a continuity level. These are strictly the comic book versions. But yeah. um, in terms of how I write them and how I hear them in my head, um, there isn't a sharp line for me. Like I, I I can see like Captain America in the comics, for instance has a somewhat different history than the one in the um in the movies but really they're the same person like they yeah. they they react very much the same way and they've been shaped by a lot of the same forces um so uh so yeah i i, I find that uh i'm glad to hear that about that prologue um the prologue i'll tell you a little secret the um the prologue features the guardians of the galaxy who are very important the prologue to into the dark dimension and they're very important in target kree um they play a smaller role in into the dark dimension um and I almost took that prologue out because I was like, am I, am I, again, am I trying to fit too many characters in, mm -hmm. but it just, it just worked on its own to explain the situation so well. And I just love writing those characters. They're mm -hmm. just, uh, they're just so much fun. Um, so I, I think it works, but uh, I'm glad I left it in. <laughs> yes. And um, I can't, like I said, I, well, I think I can talk a little, I'm, I'm trying not to spoil too much because I mean, I know who the big villain is. Um, yeah, it's pretty much, it's almost in the title. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's uh, pretty much there. It is the surprise ending of Target Cree, so yeah. I guess we won't say it aloud, but oh, I think yeah. it's probably, it might be on the back cover. I think it probably is. So. <laughs> there but, you go. But the thing I, the thing I love about, um, you know, and, and Stuart, I'm going to say, and I, and I did, I, and I apologize, I do have your first book, Target Cree, literally, right next to me i'm sorry i haven't oh, read it yet but like no, you said these are... <laughs> no apologies necessary books have a lot of words no. <laughs> books have words in them that's the big problem with books no. like comics, comics you just pick up and read books are i have books piled up to them i have books behind me that i haven't <laughs> right here that i haven't read um so no i completely understand that no but the thing but the but the thing well thank you for understanding but and, and you saw my email last night of i'm gonna try to finished reading shadow Avengers. i only got 40 pages left but i still have a star trek book i'm like i have barely started anyway anyway sorry let me get back so um yep. but um but and like you said that these books you know you can pick them up and read it on its own and like i picked up shadow avengers um and i'm you know and i read it's great and i love it because it has um it has a cinematic feel to it like it should, you know, like like if I'm watching a movie because there's really no budget, no boundary, you know, no um, mm. page limits or panels or you know it. But it's a nice cinematic feel to it. And um, going back to Into the Dark Dimension, what I love about just the prologue, and I'm glad you kept the prologue in, is because um, I have never seen, um, and and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I've never seen like. A huge Marvel event that um, mixes, you know, 
the the horror genre of Marvel and the cosmic side of Marvel into a huge event because usually these usually these big events are it usually takes place only in New York or some small area but this one it's like uh, it, it feels like it's like a galaxy wide thing yeah know? i mean you you mentioned that and i hadn't thought of it that way in terms of uh, but i think uh, and there might be another example somewhere but i think you're right in terms of mixing the the horror and cosmic elements um the the scope of it most of the book does take place on earth mm-hmm. um except when they go into the dark dimension the creek the creek galaxy only we only see in that in that prologue um but uh but yeah it there is a there is an idea the villain has conquered not just the entire galaxy but the entire multiverse or most mm-hmm. of it yes. um so there's a there's a definite scope going on here uh, what we all wanted to do was um uh create something of the of the level of the thanos movies like just yes. something like something that had that kind of involved that uh that many not just characters but like that much of the universe, that much of the of the multiverse, which it turns out is um very difficult to do. <laughs> like I, I sat down and I thought, oh, this will be fun, this will be easy. And I'm like, oh my god, this is hard. Which is one reason um I handed off the second book because um after uh, after writing the first one, I kind of needed a rest. Um <laughs> and uh, and it worked out structurally. It worked out really well because um Shadow Avengers uh, is a slightly it operates on a slightly smaller scale it's about it it's all set on earth and it, or almost all and it's it's about the villain trying to invade earth yes. where uh, target cree target cree is but all the books are mostly set on earth mm-hmm. um but um but target cree starts off um in the in the cree galaxy and involves like s- several different groups of characters where the shadow avengers is more tightly focused on dr strange's team mm-hmm. as you said that spider-man the black panther um, Ms. Marvel, mm-hmm. uh, Luke Cage. Um, there's someone I'm forgetting. But, uh, I know there's a bunch like Valkyrie. Well, Venom. Venom plays an important part too. Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. And then again, when I read the first chapter, and like you said, Into the Dark Dimension really um, uh, is very different, and it, you know, it's it took me a little while to go. Oh my god! I think in the first couple of pages, I was going. Wait, a minute, what's going on? Because I see Kamal yeah. Khan at school, and you kind of drop little hints, and then it's towards literally towards, and of course I I don't want to spoil, it, but towards the end, it's like, oh my god, I can't. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that worked. That that's that was deliberate, and it also plays off of a sequence in Target Cree where she's at school, um, where we first see her there at, at I think it's another assembly actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's there, it's it's sort of parallel events going on but the world has actually changed in a dramatic horrible way and you only come to realize that as uh as the chapter as the first few chapters go along um no i won't ask i'm i'm tempted to ask, i'll wait to after the interview to ask there is a way because in that first chapter there's a way where um the villain literally takes over and i and i don't want to say anything because i think it's a unique way because I don't think I've ever seen it before, you know, and it also, and it kind of involves like energy trips and water too. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's all set up in the shadow Avengers too. Oh, yeah. okay. No. Yeah. Yes, it, it is. And, but, um, but it's great. So, okay. I'm sorry. I'm going to, um, I'm going to move along. Um, I have, um, I have a process question. So now for 
Target Cree and Into the Dark Dimension, you know, you've, you know, I, you know, I, I know you've written for Marvel Comics. Um, how much research did you do for, you know, the characters and the settings, you know, for both books? Because I know at the end of the first book in your acknowledgement section, you mentioned that, you know, um, you, you know, mentioned that, you know, Marvel Unlimited, um, you know, um, you know, did you have to go back and, you know, kind of like go through some of those old issues to kind of like where the certain places or characters and stuff like that? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I, I, but I will say I have read a lot of comic books. Um, it's uh, it's not quite like researching um, nuclear fusion, which I've had to do. But but yeah, um, what I've tended to do in these books um, is uh, because these novels have a lot of characters and the characters come in and out of the story sometimes. Like when I get to the sequence with Shang-Chi, I'll sort of cram on him. Like I'll, I'll, um, I'll do a whole lot of research, like as if I have, <laughs> as if I have a test the next day, you know, yeah. I'll, uh, I'll sort of uh, read a bunch of key uh, Shang-Chi stories. There's a, um, there's a sequence in into the dark dimension that involves him being confronted with a vision of his father. Mm -hmm. And I wanted, um, that's a case where the continuity is very different in the, comics oh, yes, from the yeah. movie so that was a case where i uh i actually i did go back and just read and and that marvel app is a unlimited app is a godsend for this sort of thing because you can just call these things up like instantly um and again once um i think i can't remember i think i saw the shang chi movie after i wrote after i did the first draft of this <laughs> um but um but again when i got to the guardians i would just you know, pull that one up on Disney Plus and just watch a, a watch a bit of it enough mm -hmm. to get in the voice of the characters. Um, so yeah, there's um there's specific research I do for um for plot points um, mm -hmm. if it refers back to something. I don't like to I don't like to get too heavy with with old continuity because oh, yeah. there's already a lot going on in these books and I don't yes. want people to think they have to research. But there are little things you can you can work in like the um. The use of the uh, World Breaker Hulk in um, Target Cree. Um, mm -hmm. That was fun. Um, so yeah. I'll, I'll just I kind of um, I do enough to make the story make sense at the beginning, and then as I'm going along, I'll sort of immerse myself in the history of whatever characters I'm writing at the time. And the other thing I have to say, you know, with um, and and again, I'm sorry, I'm going to keep referring back to this because the only you know the only one book that I've read so far, Shadow Avengers, is that what's nice about these and even just the couple chapters of Into the Dark Dimension is that um, um, you don't have to keep going into like the origins, like, you know, the prologue, this is the Guardians of the Galaxy. And you, right. you don't have to go through like a whole page of this is who they were. And it's just, this is the Guardians of the Galaxy. You know, Star-Lord, you know, is, oh my God, Drax, hold the door. You know, it, we just jump right in because we kind of know who they are already. You know. Yeah, and that's a big change from when I started doing these novels, frankly, um, because the movies are such a universal part of our culture now. Like when I wrote the, um, I think it was 2011, I wrote uh, the Civil War mm -hmm. uh, novelization. And this was long before, I mean, I think the first uh, the first few Marvel movies were out, but uh, but th there weren't any, it was before the first Avengers movie. It was before, yes. um, it was certainly before Civil War, the movie. Um, and at that time, I really worried about whether I was, putting too many characters into it that the casual reader would not be familiar with. Yes. Um, and now I really don't worry about that as much. I think people are used to, especially 
how many people have seen those Thanos movies and how many characters are in them? Like, mm-hmm. I, I just, I think people are, um, they're not only familiar with even a lot of minor Marvel characters, it's also gotten easier to just look things up on the internet if you, if you don't know who they are. Um, but uh, but I, I think people are also used to the idea of lots of characters just popping up, like, and uh, and mm-hmm. that's part of the fun. So yeah, I don't, uh, I don't worry about that as much and I don't stop the story to explain who they are quite mm-hmm. as much as I did maybe 10 years ago. Yeah. And then um, still on the research questions, I, I'm just asking like, you know, um, if something like when you're trying to read key storylines in uh, Marvel Unlimited, um, did you ever get a chance going, you know, I, I need to work something out or is this correct? Did you ever like talk to some of your friends or former co-workers from Marvel about, you know, does this make sense, the continuity, you know, and also too, was it also fun talking to them, reminiscing about some old comic book stories or even, you know, working with them? Yeah, that's always fun. Um, in in the case of this, I, I pretty much, I pretty much know the continuity and I can, and I can, and I, and I go to the, I go to the published work um, yes. as oh, the, yeah. as the authority. Um, that said, um, Everything goes through Marvel, um, and uh, oh, and right. they approve the outline and they approve the um, the manuscript, and they will um, they will course correct me if they if they think something isn't quite right. Um, the um, I had very few changes on Into the Dark Dimension, probably because we'd been through this already. <laughs> um, there were a few things in Target Cree. Um, I was playing a little too fast and loose in the first draft with Ms. Marvel's secret identity, which mm-hmm. they like to keep very very secret. Very few people are allowed to know it. So we had to do a few, uh, we had to do a few tweaks to make that work, which all worked fine. Um, it was all, it was all doable. They're, um, they're very reasonable. One thing I've always liked about Marvel and in the various capacities I've worked with them is um, compared to some companies, they, they just don't, they don't make trouble. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they want to work. They just really want something to work always. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've always, it's always been kind of a lean, fast moving company in a way, even when it's, even now that it's owned by Disney and, uh, and I appreciate that about them. They're good to work with. Okay. Well, that's, that's really good. That's really good to hear. Um, one more question before I start moving on about, you know, the, um, uh, um, actually, no, I'm going to jump on to the next question. Sorry. So mm-hmm. into the, now, if I remember correctly, I think this character was introduced in your first book. And now because he's he's made an appearance in the, prologue of Into the Dark Dimension. So may I ask, you know, and for, you know, me, who is um, Halaar? Halaar, yeah. um, He's a teenage Kree. He's a, he's a refugee from the planet that's destroyed at the beginning of, um, of Target Kree. Mm -hmm. And he's pretty important in that book. He, he comes to earth. He winds up going to school with Ms. Marvel. He, um, he befriends her. Um, He uh, is not, as important in Into the Dark Dimension. Um, But I wanted to revisit him briefly because at the end of Target Kree, he winds up going off into space with the Guardians. So he's there and it made sense that if they were trying to infiltrate the Kree homeworld, Mm -hmm. um, uh, Hala, they would would use him because he is a Kree. Mm -hmm. So he's sort of there and pretending to sign up to become an accuser or something. (laughs) I I can't remember exactly. But but, uh, it... um, it it was a case where I I had this character I'd left a little loose end. Um, he's uh, like several characters. I wound up using him fairly sparingly in Into the Dark Dimension because we just had so much going on. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. But uh, 
but he's friends with um he's friends with with Ms. Marvel and uh and he's just been working with the um with the Guardians um yeah and, and he's a he's a you know I I, I like the oh and and uh, the the reason his name is strange is he was he was actually like he's from a poor planet on the outskirts of the of the Kree Empire mm -hmm. but he was named after Hala which is the the homeworld um mm -hmm. where they visit there because his family always hoped he would go there and become a warrior so um so that's that's sort of his backstory. Ah, okay. And I'm gonna. Um, this is an off-the-cuff question. Is he a is is he part of the Marvel comics or is this a new character that you created for? He's the he, he's a new character. Yeah, he was he's a he was invented as part of this um, planet that gets destroyed in uh, Target Kree. Okay, that's his. That's... Uh, his sister is also an important part of uh, Target Kree, but uh, I couldn't fit her into the new book at all. Okay. <laughs> I think she's mentioned once. <laughs> Um, do you want to give out shout outs to, you know, um, to anyone that helped you on the book and I'm, I'm anybody from, you know, some, you know, from family to the editors, you want to give shout outs who helped you on this book? No, I did it all myself. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I, it, uh, uh, I have, uh, uh, my, uh, my, my wife, Liz Sonneborn, who's also a writer is, uh, is always helpful and she's always great to bounce things off of. She's wonderful. Um, I have two cats who are, as I speak, asleep on the opposite ends of the couch in my, uh, in my office. Um, they're getting older and they, they don't move as much as they used to, but, uh, but they're, uh, they're a great comfort. Um, yeah, my family's great. My brother and my, uh, my mother, uh, we all, we all talk every Monday night and, uh, they, um, uh, they look a little befuddled and not quite understanding when I started talking about the Kree Empire and, uh, mm -hmm. and um, the Guardians of the Galaxy, but, uh, but you know, they're, uh, so yeah, um, they, they've all been good. The people at Marvel uh, have been great. Aconite is, um, is a very nice operation to work with. My editor there, a uh, woman named Gwen, um, is, uh, is, is, is very helpful and responsive. Um, she, um, uh, and she, uh, she really made the transition work with, um, Carrie coming in to write uh, the middle book. Um, that, okay. was a, that was her call, and she um, sort of had us not directly in touch. We are in touch now, but uh, mm -hmm. she had us um, exchanging notes and things like that, and uh, that all so that all worked out really well. Um, I know in your first book, you gave you know you gave a few shout outs to a few Brooklyn breweries. <laughs> yeah. I'm being serious because you know, do you want to give out shout outs to them today? Did they kind of sort of help you with this book too? <laughs> Sadly, a couple of them aren't with us anymore. Oh, <laughs> um, in fact, the one closest to my home closed up just about a year ago. But uh, but yeah, this uh, other half brewing is great. Freeze is great. Strong Rope, um, God, Wild East, and Finback. Those are the those are the five I'd say. The um, there were two that were um, even closer to my house, and both of them kind of the, the 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 did not survive the pandemic and the you know the immediate immediate post um pandemic economic climate um but yeah there's still a lot of that going around it's a really it's a really good place for um for breweries okay um this is a fun question would you be open to adapt you know this you know either target cree you know or your book into the dark dimension for marvel comics as a standalone um event you know would you be open to like writing a comic book, you know, like a 12 part or, you know, comic book event? Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, if they, if they ever wanted, yeah, that'd be great. It's, um, I don't think it's too likely because uh, it involves a lot of big characters who are tied up in other 
other people's books where when I read the novels, I can pretty much, as long as I don't, you know, cut off Tony Stark's leg or something, although <laughs> I come pretty close to doing a few things like that here or there, but um, I, I, I can pretty much, um, I can pretty much take them and, and, and I can, in this case, like really mess up the entire multiverse uh, yeah. as long as I sort of put it back close to the way it was near the end. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's harder to do in, a, in, in the larger Marvel, in the oh, yes, yeah. time Marvel universe. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I would, I would love to do stuff like that. And I'd really love to do more with, again, that relationship between Ms. Marvel and, um, and Iron Man, which I think is, uh, I think is very rich. I think there's a lot, there's a lot of potential there. That's perfect because it's, it ties into my next question. Um, um, are well, yeah, like I said, will you be writing more? You know, will, actually, will there, do you know if there's going to be any more crisis protocol novels in the future? Or is this, you know, it? I don't, oh, I, I haven't had that discussion. Every time I finish one of these, I'm so tired that I wait for them to ask me. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. So, so uh, um, so I, I actually don't know what the future is of that line. Um, okay. that's, uh, that's a good, uh, thank you, Jason. I should, <laughs> I should actually ask them that. Um, but, uh, no, I'd, um, I'd be, I'd be happy to do more there. Um, they're, like I said, they're very tricky to write. Um, they're, mm-hmm. um, they take me longer than most other books, um, but they're very satisfying and fun. And I just love playing with all those, um, uh, all those characters. Because, and I'm going to again, say- oh, as long, sorry, oh, I was just going to say, as long as, one thing I always try to do with these books is I try and make sure there's some um, in and among all the crazy, fantastic like battles and large scale scope. I try and make sure there's something important to me being said in these books. And the first one really was about um, immigrants, workers' rights in a way. Um, yes. And when you have these Cree come to Earth, and there's something, there's some force that's um, that Tony Stark is not aware of. Mm-hmm. That's um, it's like a bad apple inside. Stark Enterprises that's uh, that's not treating them very well, mm-hmm. and in this one, um, it has more to do with the fact that Tony recruits in, the, in into the dark dimension. Tony winds up recruiting a bunch of um, wealthy tech people to help him, including Doctor Octopus, um, uh, when he can't get the Avengers. And as usual, to my mind, when you recruit a whole bunch of wealthy tech people, mm-hmm. it doesn't go very well at all. Um, so that uh, that was a that was a little. Little, not just an in joke, but a little, little bit of social commentary on my part that I, 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 I thought was important. Anyway, I hope people like it. No, but, but I think the thing, but it's kind of like, but, and I'm sorry, I'm kind of going a little bit off the cuff, but it's in some sense, like you know, you've yeah. written some Star Trek stories. It, it's, um, you know, because that's what Gene Roddenberry did with Star Trek. Instead of just going, I want to talk about the Vietnam War. This is my story. No, he, he, it's he packages it up nicely in the future. With characters on a, on a ship that they go to a planet and then they observe, you know, and you know, so, you know, and you yeah, know. it's very much it's very much the same idea, and uh, and Marvel's always done that too. Um, certainly, yes. Civil War was about that. Civil War was very much about um, the uh, the sort of the, the original. I'm talking about the original comic. Um, yes. it was very much about the late Bush, uh, late George W. Bush era, and. Uh, we're building a security state post 9-11 and what kind of um, what kind of freedoms are you willing to give up in order to be safe? Yes. Um, and that's that's so Marvel's got a history of that as well. But yeah, it's very much in the Star Trek mold. I agree. Um, uh, I think, yeah, I, um, let me move on to um, 
what was the most cool thing or things that you love working on these two books? Um, wow. Uh, it does always come down to the characters for me. Um, I think... Um, the most fun scenes to write for me are always the Guardians of the Galaxy because I just love the voices of those characters. I was thinking about Drax this morning mm-hmm. and Drax plays a, a, a well, he's he's actually off, he's presumed dead for a big chunk of Target Cree, but when he comes back, he comes back in a big way. And uh, one thing I like about Drax is that to me, even more, like the Guardians are all like this, but... Um, He's the real working man. You know, he's like mm-hmm. the guy with a strong arms who if um, I mean, he's he's got his own version of reality and he always says inappropriate things. And, yes. you know, and he laughs wrong times and everything. But um, but if you're, um, you know, if you were in a disaster and your house was knocked down, he just rebuild it. He just like he just get in there. He just roll up his sleeves. He mm-hmm. just do it. Um, and I really kind of like that about him. I see him as a almost like a weird postmodern um neuroatypical Paul Bunyan or something like yeah. somebody from like, like a mythical figure who would just come in and fix things. Um, <laughs> so I, I, but anyway, that's a little off the, off the topic, oh, no. but, uh, but I, writing the guardians is always fun. It's always funny. I love the kind of extended gags you can get going with them both mm-hmm. um, visual. I can't do quite the same kind of visual gags as the comics or the movies, but I, you can do some oh, yeah. um, and verbal mostly. Um, the um but again the heart of it the heart of the story to me is um ms marvel and and tony and uh and in this book it's ms marvel and tony opposite dr strange and tony and dr strange are a lot of fun too because they're both authority figures they're both kind of used to being in charge yes and they approach the world very very differently Uh um so uh so those are fun scenes too oh okay all right now i'm going to move on from into the dark dimension to outer space i think you Stuart, you know where i'm going with this mm-hmm. um yes the, um ahoy <laughs> comics highball please feel free to talk about this latest ahoy series i know it's going to yeah. come out in trade um at the um on march 29th so yeah please feel free to talk about that well highball is a um it's a, a, a science fiction comedy that i created last year with artist fred harper uh who i've worked with before and the premise of it is um Highball, it, it, Highball is um, he's a he's the star pilot in um, in the Earth Corp, and uh, he's uh, he, he but but he has a big problem, which is that he can only hit the target when he's dead drunk, mm-hmm. which yes. is why his call sign is Highball. Where uh, so uh, so that that creates some problems, and uh, not to spoil anything too much, but uh, Earth is um in the in the series Earth is kind of it's it's been very very passively conquered by an obnoxious alien race called the mentok who just kind of like mm-hmm. they just kind of stepped in and said um uh, you know we should really run your economy and your military and we were just sort of intimidated and lazy and we just sort of said okay um yes. so and there was a war there was all the background but um but basically um highball without intending to has become a sort of a pawn of these um puffed up idiots who run earth and um what what sort of comes out over the course of the story i hope is that he drinks not just to focus his concentration so he can actually fire a particle beam and and hit his target but also so that he doesn't have to think too much about the implications of what he's doing 
Um, and that's a problem. That actually is <clears throat> kind of a not very sustainable situation. So a lot of it's just like um, vaguely um, dirty jokes and people behaving very badly mm -hmm. and uh, dumb jokes about cryptocurrency. Um, but um, but it has a serious side to it too, I think. And uh, and I hope people I hope people like that. I hope people get it. Um, I'm very proud of it. it. Came out in five issues last year. Um, yeah, the collected edition will be out uh, March 29th with a whole lot of extra features in the back, including my annotations for the whole thing and a, an awful lot of Fred's um, uh, 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 sketches and, and early design work as well. Yes, and um, and you know, listeners, because I've you know I remember when I interviewed Stuart and Fred last year, I read the first issue. Fred's art is great in that issue. Yes, I mean, mm -hmm. I mean, he's I, I've seen his work in. Snelson, another Ahoy comic, Snelson, and also you and Fred worked on Wrong Earth Purple. That's right, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, which was a um, sort of a 1980s tribute, and, and Fred went kind of all out on that. Um, yeah, he's a, he's been around a while. He's a very talented comics artist. He's done work at DC, um, but he's also um, he's also a very talented illustrator. Does a lot of work for um, well, he was doing a lot of work up until I think the magazine cut back, but for a magazine called The Week in mm -hmm. uh in new um so yeah he's multi-talented he's great he's local so we get together and talk at some of those breweries you were mentioning actually <laughs> um and uh and that's always nice too but he's a sweet sweet guy and a great collaborator and i'm lucky to have him to work with all right Stuart. i'm slowly wrapping things up there's a fun question um i know you posted this picture on your twitter feed um <laughs> you know who, who is your good friend was that? Renardo the Fox. Yeah, oh my God. The, I'm I'm yes. sorry, this is only audio, but listeners, he's he has Renardo. I brought Fox. him. Yes, he lives in my office, so uh, he didn't have he didn't have a long commute. Um, Renardo uh, is um, is actually from a play I was in in high school quite a while ago, um, and uh, the um, it was a musical called Carnival. Um, which is an, it's an old line musical. It's, uh, it's <laughs> actually the sexual politics of it probably wouldn't fly very well today, but it's about a um, young woman who joins a carnival, falls for a, um, a puppet master who uh, can't manage to express his feelings to her very well, except through the puppets. And I was the puppet master's assistant who has his own um, solo called the Cirque de Paris. Um, but I did the voices of some of these puppets and let me keep this guy, um, is Renardo the Fox. Um, he is um, badly in need of a carpeting shampoo at this point. Uh, he's, uh, he, he's probably decades overdue for that. And his pipe cleaner whiskers are a little dirty um, too. But, um, but he's my friend, he lives in the corner of the office. And uh, I put him up, yeah, I put him up on Twitter because uh, an old high school friend wished me a uh, happy birthday. And I wanted to sort of blow her mind and show her that I still had this, this fun little guy around. But, uh, but yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's my friend. He's my old friend. <laughs> I have to say, but that's pretty cool that the high school let you keep that, um, keep the puppet. That's so cool, though. Yeah, yeah, they let me. They didn't have anything else to do with him, but uh, but I did the voice. I did the voice of him, which was one of these very exaggerated French accents. You know? <laughs> um, that, uh, but um, yeah, they let me keep him, so that was fun. I also did a walrus named Horrible Henry, who talked kind of like this. He was a little like that, um, but uh, somebody else got somebody else got Henry. I think the other puppeteer got Henry. <laughs> oh, Stuart, thank you very much for sharing that. Um, just. 
couple more questions. Um, and I'm looking more towards in April and May. Do you have any book signing or comic book convention appearances? Uh, still putting that together. It looks like I'll be at um, Ithacon in Ithaca, New York in mm -hmm. um, in uh, April 22nd, I think it is, with uh, with the staff of Ahoy mm -hmm. um, who are based up near there. I'm going to go going to go up with them that's the only one i'm absolutely sure about right yeah. now um i've been i've been laying a little low on cons since the pandemic started but um you know fingers crossed things look a lot better now i, I i'm always at new york comic-con or, or around there because that's my that's my local and i'll probably be um well that's too soon i'll, I'll probably be at big apple con i think we're going to do a panel there but that's um march 23rd i think something like that um but uh um, but, uh, but yeah, other than that, I'm still, I'm still figuring it out. I probably won't make it to San Diego this year, but we'll see. Yeah. Okay. All right. Any closing words to our listeners? There's, um, there's only one thing I, I, I forgot to mention. I've also been doing some short, uh, comic stories with a company called Interpop, um, which, uh, um, which does, which posts their comics free on the website and, uh, and sells, um, uh, enhanced NFT versions of them. Um, and they have a, they have a really fun superhero universe called the Emergence. And I've written a few uh, short pieces. I've got another one coming up with uh, a character called the Mad Confectionist, who's a, a villain who uh, animates um, candy and toys and uh, not toys, but candy and uh, cakes and things like mm -hmm. that. Um, so that's um, that's fun. Those guys are those guys are fun to work with. I've done a few things with them already. Um, yeah. Other than that, um, I uh, I'm um, I'm just uh, I'm just happy to be doing all this, and I, I really appreciate you bringing me on again here to. Um, talk about my little um, eight zillion character Marvel novels that uh, that I'm still recovering from. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Stuart, um, you know, just mahalo for your time. Thank you for coming back on the show. Thank you very much. Um, well, I, mahalo. Yeah, thank you. And I, I wish you all the success into the dark dimension um, and also to a success. And I wish you all the six um, continuing success for the high um, highball trade paperback that's going to come out um, later this month in March. Um, again, I want to give Ashley and Joe a shout out for sending me an advanced reading copy of the first two chapters of Into the Dark um, Into the Dark Dimension. You know, um, Stuart, I'm going to be honest. I cannot wait for this book to come out. Um, and you know, and if you are a lifelong comic book reader or a new comic book reader, um, you know, please check out. Into the Dark Dimension, a Marvel Crisis Protocol um, novel from Aconite Books. It comes out on April 18th in the U.S. and on June 22nd in the U.K. Um, and Stuart, please, uh, please give me just a minute because I want to give a, um, you know, um, to also give a shout out for, you know, listeners to also even check out, you know, Target Creed, your other book, Target Creed, that's in this series. Yeah. And also Carrie Harris's um, Shadow Avengers too, and you know I know Carrie also wrote another book from Aconite um, that's part of the uh, it's um, part of the like X Men related story Liberty and Justice that she wrote, and I also want to give that's a right. shout out mm -hmm. for um, to uh, um, Elisa uh, Quitney, she also wrote Rogue Untouched for Aconite books as well. So listeners, please check that. You know, if you get a chance, please check those out. Um, now I've written, you know. You know, I'm currently still trying to finish up Shadow Avengers. Um, you know, what I really love you know, for me, I still love reading comics. I I really do. And 
to me, I love reading The Shadow of Vengeance because, again, as I told um, Stuart, you know, it has that nice cinematic feel to it. And the other thing, too, is that um, it's, um, you know, these are self-contained stories. The other thing, too, I love, and like Stuart says that, you know, he, he can play around with, he can mix characters around. Like in Shadow of Vengeance, you know, I don't, you know, I, I don't see Loki, you know, because there's a fight scene between Spider-Man and Loki. I probably will never see that in the comics unless there's some <laughs> major crossover event. Um, mm -hmm. And and it, it's just, it, it, um, you know, and it, it, it just, yeah, it's really great. And the other thing too is that, as I mentioned too, and I talked to stories that, you know, when they introduce the characters, it's, it's either they give a one line, like background information, one sentence, but they don't go into depth in, this is Venom. This is how he got his powers. It's just, this is Venom, Eddie Brock. You know, hey, I'm still pissed at Peter Parker for, you know, getting me fired, you know, and, yeah. and they just go <laughs> from there, you know. Um, also, too, um, yeah, so if you guys get a chance, please, you know, check out, you know, these um, these crisis protocol novels. Also, two listeners, if you guys get a chance, um, please check out the highball um, trade from Ahoy Comics that comes out on March 29th. Um, I want to thank Drew, the host of Comics for Fun and Profit, for putting this episode together. You know, Drew, thank you very much for all your hard work behind the scenes. And if you are a new listener, please check out new episodes of Comics for Fun and Profit that comes out every Saturday. And I want to thank you, the listeners. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for listening to this episode. Until next time, guys. Aloha. Aloha. As you know, our LCS is Cowabunga Comics, Lake Country's Wisconsin's best pop culture destination for new comics, back issues, gaming, retro video games, vinyl, and figures. Give them a call, 262-569-9999. Check them out online at cowabungacomics.com or follow them on Twitter at Incredicow. Um, they are our LCS, and we utilize their deep discount mail order service to bring Oconomowoc, Wisconsin, closer to us. They'll take care of you. Tell them Drew and Kyle sent you. Say hi to Eric and James from us. If you need an LCS, you can't go wrong with Cowabunga Comics. In a world ravaged by war and chaos... A group of survivors must band together to brave the dangers of a post-apocalyptic landscape. The year is 2000, and the world has been plunged into darkness. The nuclear fires have burned out, leaving behind a wasteland of ruins and radiation. But amidst the rubble and despair, a glimmer of hope still remains. Join Dork Day Afternoon as they face off against marauding gangs, enemy soldiers, and even the harsh elements themselves in the world of Twilight 2000. Will our heroes survive the challenges ahead? Can they keep their own humanity intact? Or will they succumb to the harsh realities of life after the end of the world? Two Past Midnight, an actual play podcast by Dork Day Afternoon.